Blog Talk Radio. Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Kim Lakin, and I am your host this evening. My co-host this evening is Dr. Nancy. We are on scan number 3218 on this fifth day of July already. I can't even believe it. <laughs> it used to be that July was, you know, the 4th of July was like the middle of summer. And I don't know about everyone else, but Colorado has not had much of a summer yet. I think we're just getting started. So it feels kind of odd to already be in July. But um, hopefully you all are having beautiful weather and not the, the drought weather that we've been having recently, which is good. But um, this evening we do not have a guest. So I thought that we would bring up the topic of grooming. <clears throat> Excuse me. And red, back, red flag behaviors. So I've got some resources here that I can look look at and share with you all. But first of all, we have a single purpose at NASCA, and that's to address issues that are related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. One, by educating the public, especially as it's related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts that are showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, by offering hope and healing through numerous paths and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving intervention, prevention, and recovery. And again, you can find some of that information, some of the prevention, intervention, and recovery information on NASCA.org, and that is N-A-A-S-C-A.org. Our um, panel this evening, we'd love to have you since we're just kind of having a an open forum 
and I was just going to throw out this topic there, and then maybe somebody else has something else, too, that we can move on to. But um, if you would like to, to guest, be a guest on our forum, that number is 646-595-2118. Again, it's 646-595-2118, and we'll bring you into the studio and let you in on this conversation. We'd love to have you join us. So um, it looks like we've got a few people that are on the line with us, and I am just going to go ahead and open it up. Dr. Nancy, hello. Oh, and Stella. Hi. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hey. Hi. And the, hi. Hello. And this is Lakeisha. Yes, my name's Lakeisha. As well, I think we have a nice to meet you. Well, we're nice glad that you all are joining us. We're glad you're you're on with us this evening. Have you called in before? Yeah, I've Lakeisha? been a long time member. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I've been a long time member. Um, it's it's been a few years since I've been able to be active. You know, calling in, but. Um, um, I'm a good friend of Bill, or he's a good friend of mine. Um, so I've been trying to get back into the swing of things and be more active with you guys. So just wanted to call tonight and, uh, yeah, enjoy the show with everybody else. Well, welcome again, and we're glad you're back. And um, anytime, call them anytime. We'd love to have you. And then we have Philip on the line as well. Hey, Philip. How are you? Hello, Kim. Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here tonight, Philip. Thanks. Always good to hear from you. (laughs) Okay. And then we've got Dr. Nancy. She was, I think we've got somebody else on the line, too, that's calling in. um, Hey, Dr. Nancy. Glad you're here with us this evening. Good evening. Good evening. Always a pleasure. Let me check on that guest. Mm-hmm. I'll be right back. Okay. Go ahead and do that. So I thought that we would go ahead and start talking this evening about um, the stages of grooming. I'm not sure that we talk a whole lot about that. Maybe some of the other hosts have talked about it before, but I don't think I really have brought that subject up. But um, some of my resources that I'm I'm going to share with you all this evening are from um, Darkness to Light's website. It's d2l.org. And um, they have a whole section that, you know, on taking action and um, how we can pay attention. I mean, our main goal at Darkness to Light is to help adults understand how to recognize, respond, and react appropriately when a child tells you their secret or you see something happening. And um, and so being a, aware of different stages of grooming is also going to be really important to be able to tell, you know, if you need to help a child or not, if something is going on. So... Um, you know, I'll just kind of start talking about the different stages and then um, people can join in if they'd like and 
if they have any questions or anything. And I can stop here in a minute too and see if anybody has any questions. But um, so one of the stages that they talk about on Darkness to Light is the, um, targeting the child. So perpetrators may target and exploit a child's perceived vulnerability, including emotional neediness, isolation, neglect, a chaotic home, or lack of rental oversight. So offender may they, you know, pay really close attention to one specific child, maybe as a teacher and they've got a class of 30, but they're kind of zeroing in on that one child and, um, you know, making that child feel really special and that they, you know, are, um, deserve special treatment maybe. Maybe they'll give them gifts, something like that. So that's probably, you know, the first stage when a perpetrator would try and, and make that in with a child. And then it's not just about targeting the child, though, either. A lot of times it can be about the, the family or the parents as well. And so, you know, those are kind of the beginning stages. And I think that if they are really, really good at this, um, you know, targeting children, then they know to go for the parents first because that's going to give them the most access to the children. So maybe we'll just start with that and open it up. It looks like Billy's on the line with us too. Hey, Billy. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Good. Good. How you doing? Good. Good topic. Good. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to contribute to that? Uh, you just hit two things right on the head, and that with my the grooming process for me, it was uh, pictures off his wall he gave me, and uh, and just and um, what was the other thing you had said? Is just part of the grooming. Um, he just he worked his way right in, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, then started started putting his hands on me, and it's just it's unbelievable. I mean. Nowadays, I just, I just feel like, I mean, you gotta, you, you gotta be talking to your kid. I mean, we've learned a lot in say 20, 20 years, and I, th- I just feel like talking to your child and, and making them aware. But it's just crazy how it's good. It, I think I feel as though it changes, people are becoming more aware. Put it that way, and and that's good. Yeah. I think about, I think about like. The, the kids that I went to high school with, you know, those some of the, like, four or five of those troubled kids that were living with teachers, and then and then years later, they they were grooming them and doing what they were doing with them. It's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, nowadays, it's just, at the end of the day, people are more aware, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you, I mean, maybe just very briefly share with our listeners your situation because it was more of a a targeted grooming, wasn't it, with you? Yeah, so I was I was sent to a priest at 14 years old to do my probation hours. Um, I'm from Massachusetts and um, and um, kind of unheard of. That's, that's how I uh, met this priest and um, he ended up marrying me and my wife, baptizing my kids. I kept a secret from 14 to 40 years old. And uh, 
and shit hit the fan. There's really no way to put it. I lost the job. And okay, then, yeah. And then I was uh, hooked on drugs, and I thought thought I could stop cold turkey, which I did. And then there's the memories, clear as day. So, um, yeah, that's. I had no father. My dad died at four years old in a car accident, so my mom was a single parent. Um, so, so yeah. And on a good note, a little off topic is. Massachusetts, the the law just got resubmitted last week, but hopefully the law changed. I testified my story a couple of years ago, and it didn't go through, but Senator Joan Lovely here in Massachusetts, she's a survivor also. She put The bill's been put in, so keeping our fingers crossed there. Oh, that's great, Ellie. Yeah. 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 Good to hear. Yeah, and you said a couple things. Um, one thing that really stands out that is very common is your mom was a single mom. Your dad had passed away. And I mean, that's a a huge red flag, I think, for perpetrators because they're able to then play on the emotions of that mom who is struggling most of the time to take care of her family um, and just trying to put food on the table and maybe feeling guilty that there's not a, a male around. And so they can just slide right in there and kind of play that male role for the mom, yep. thinking that you know, she thinks that they're going to be just wonderful and that this is a great deal because now you get that male influence. But um, yeah. And then also the other part that, you know, really stands out to me really about your story is that um, you kept that secret and you were still in the presence of him for a long time. Yeah. I Even after about the it abuse my... had stopped. Oh, yeah. Wow. It, well, I see, like, we, I talk about it with my therapist, and it's like one end of me liked him, and then the, there was one end of me that really hated him. But it's crazy how, you know, it's crazy. When I called him to marry me and my wife, he didn't make us go through pre-cana, never came back to my wife's house and I couldn't put it together then why he wouldn't like, like I, I was, I was, I mean, I was actively using too. And my thought process couldn't even, my thought process couldn't get this all out until I became sober and started dealing with it and got into therapy. Like I was using drugs from 14 to 40, like every day for pretty much, whether it be weed, Percocets or Xanax and then, as I can put together now, I didn't want to think of those those memories. And sure enough, when I come off the drugs, they're wide open. And then led to a couple of hospitalizations because I couldn't do it alone, obviously. When, But I just look back at the past and say how, how important therapy is for me. I go to two sessions a week still since 2015. And, uh, yeah, it's just insane when you think about it, too. It's like I was on probation, too. So even if even if I did say something back then, he could, he had the power to violate my probation with the judge, you know, and put my, put my mother through hell, put me through hell. And, uh, it's just, it's insane. It, it really is. And he's still, a yeah. that's even more insane. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is, that's just scary to think about. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit of your story yeah. again. Billy yeah, no and problem. yeah, you you've got uh, a firsthand look at the whole grooming process. Oh so, yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So, Dr. Mancy, did you want to say anything about 
the grooming process? Yes, good evening, everyone. I'm back. Um, back just checking on the people that were coming in. Uh, but definitely, uh, actually, while you guys were speaking, I was just remembering uh, about two days ago, a parent um, reached out and was saying that um, I guess uh, her child was, well, she she posted on social media. She was just reaching out to to make people of what was happening, I guess she was like, she was sleeping and her daughter was online messaging with someone and the person started asking her for her address and then she was like, oh, the address here, for example, she said the address here in uh, let's say Raleigh, North Carolina. Like Raleigh, or like a section of North Carolina. That wasn't it, but I'm just making an example. And the little, uh, and the person said, yes, but what, what, what number, what address? What street, you know, tell me and I'll tell you mine. And so the person, and, and then the, the person also said, if I um, ask your mom what's your address real quick, and if she asks you why you're asking, just ignore her. Don't answer her. So, you know, that was very scary. So the parent said that something just didn't feel right when she asked her for the address because the child asked for the address, seriously. She was like, hey, mom, what's our address? And then she was like, why? Why are you asking? What happened? And then uh, whatever the answer that the child gave, something didn't feel right. And so she got up, and when she got up, she discovered this conversation back and forth. And this person was like, I'm driving, I'm coming by, let me know what's the address. Like, obviously a predator. And so, um, yes, many, many, many different ways of grooming. A lot of times they can act like a friend. You know, these kids, they may not have many friends, and then they have someone who's telling them, hey, you know, I'm your friend, speaking to them, posting on their child online. Um, so we have to just be very aware and uh, very um, intentional about speaking about these topics to educate ourselves and educate the community because this is this is happening and it's hitting uh, our backyards, literally, our own yards. Right. Right, and so much even on the Internet, you know, and we know that it's been growing and growing for the last few years as the Internet has been really kind of blowing up. But um, it was such an easy way, too, for people to, you know, connect, still connect with kids, for predators to connect with kids, um, you know, during the pandemic. They were still able to access them. So, I mean, you think about the access that they have, online is scary. So if anyone else has any questions or anything, how about Philip? Hey Philip, did you have anything you wanted to add? Um what's the difference between grooming somebody and having a sexual a safe sexual relationship with somebody? So I guess you could say that like if you are, if it's um, mutual, a mutual like, and you're talking to somebody and um, it's very mutual, you're the, you're the same age, there's not like a power difference, so a, a teacher and a child or, you know, in, in any form, it doesn't even have to be, you know, thinking of an, a child child. It could be a teacher and a student of any age, as long as, you know, that power level is different. 
and they so as a, you know as a person grooming you they they will do these things like give you gifts or you know try and um, just pay special attention to you for the most part but if you are in a, a mutual relationship you may be giving that person gifts but it's mutually received it doesn't feel like this you know it just doesn't feel off so i think that's probably you know one of the biggest things that you would feel is you know do i have the same feelings not and they continue to try to um you know get a hold of me or get in touch with me or whatever then um that could be grooming because they are not and there could be that difference in power as well. Does that make sense? That, yeah. that makes sense. Anyone else with that? <laughs> yeah, there's just part of it. Usually a power difference, I think, is probably the big difference in some way. Yep. yep that's, that's true. So, yeah. Yes, no, Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. You know, that's that up. They have the, they have the upper hand. They have that power. And um, and they start by sometimes grooming can be just simple. They're buying you little gifts, little candies, um, and then they test you to test how far they can go. They may put their hand on your knee. They may put their hand on your lap. They may put their hand on your back, and then their hand may slip somewhere. And that's also another way. I mean, there's many ways of grooming. Um, and so that's that's a way yeah. where they test the boundaries to see how far they can go. Yeah. 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 Anybody Thank else you. have other? Yeah, you're welcome. That's a good. That was a really good question. Anybody else have um, any any ideas or has gone through a form of grooming that you want to share? Or? No, I agree. <laughs> I agree with the, um, you know. My, that priest used to drop me off at my mother's house, and he would start feeling my legs and my thighs. So when you just said that, it brought it brought that memory back. Um, yeah, no, it's just it's them. They know what they, they know what their intention is, but obviously I didn't know what intention. I, I was only a kid, but yeah, he used to do that right in front of my mother's house. Um, putting me in headlocks, giving me noogies, just getting comfortable putting his hands on me. And uh, then that, yeah. you know, that led to him putting me under his gown. So it's all part of the, it's all part of it. It's like, I think um, you had said it, Nancy, is uh, it's just, it's part of the test. You know what I mean? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and he used to give, when he used to give me noogies, he used to stop after like a minute straight of giving me hard noogies and ask me, why I was letting him do it, and I, I used to look at him innocently and just say, "I don't want to give up." Like, like I think about that. It's just insane, but he—it's insane. It's the mental. It's such a mental game, big time. Absolutely. Uh, oh yeah. Lakeisha, did you have anything you wanted to to add? We haven't heard from you yet. Well, I was just taking in what everyone was saying. And I think what the thing that I'm really 
I think these discussions are really um, important to have because, you know, I have uh, a perpetrator in my family. My dad molested me. And it's important to talk about these things because, you know, I'm an adult now, but, you know, like I have nieces and siblings who are having children. And as an adult, I feel like it's clear to me that my dad, there's a lot of enabling going on in my family, just to put it broadly. Mm -hmm. And it's like... Having this conversation today, I feel, is helping me uh, be able to have conversations with, you know, my siblings, my cousins, and whatnot, Um, because I feel like there was a situation when my dad was able to have, uh, how old was she? I think she was less than two years old. I didn't know about this. Um, but I found out, I think, months later that he had he had a child in his lap. And I, trying to have conversations with the child's parents and other family members, like, you can't let him anywhere, you can't let him near children. And not knowing, it's like not knowing how to reach these people. Like, these are the, this is the, this is what could happen. This is what it looks like. Here's the damage. But I don't know, just getting kind of like blank stares back. And even that expounding beyond my family, just living in a society where, and, and, you know, past conversations on different panels with NASCO, we've talked about this. Like, I feel like most people aren't equipped when they find out that their child or, or if they see someone's child like you said, being groomed or being abused. Like, I feel like people don't know how to take action. I I don't know. I feel like a lot of people go into that fight or flight response and they kind of just shut down. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't been trained in any way on how to react to it, then you are going to just shut down. You don't know what to say. And also then if you have been touched by it in some way. And I'm sorry that your perpetrator, Lakeisha, is still being enabled because I I know that feeling too because it happened to me and my family. And the, you know, the only way that you can start to break that is by doing what you're doing is to try and find ways that you can make it not such a secret anymore. Does it have to be specifically about your dad since everybody else around, you know, that knows what happened with your dad uh, or the adults um, are trying to protect him? It could just be in general. You know, I have, you know, made it very clear to people in my family that that is not tolerated anymore. And so even though the perpetrator is still in my family as well, they know what I do for a living and, you know, that I am also on the NASCA show, you know, he also knows that um, I'm out there advocating to talk about it because that's the only way that it's going to stop. It is that secret. 
that just keeps it going. Thank you for for sharing, Tisha. You're welcome. You're sharing. I want to yeah. say something. Um, and thank you for sharing, Jennifer. Really, really appreciate you um, just being transparent and open, vulnerable, pretty much, uh, to say the least. But um, many of us can relate. I also was abused by my father, and I found that it was very difficult. Um, I, I became like the black sheep of the family. I would start being a troublemaker for talking about that. Because, you know, back in the days, what happens in the family stays in the family. You know, it brings shame to the family. And um, and everybody tries to hush-hush, especially when the predator is uh, everybody's favorite uncle, favorite cousin, favorite this, favorite that. And they don't see that person under that light because they've never experienced that person under that type of light. And so you know them on a, from a whole other level. And it's just a hard thing to believe or to imagine. It's like no way that he could have done that, right? It just doesn't doesn't sound right at all. But I think what you're doing, which is joining the panel, uh, joining support groups, you know, doing counseling, anything like that, yourself and empower yourself. Um, the the more you do, the stronger you're. You just continue to come out. And uh, and too bad, you know, talk about it. And the reason I'm going to say that to you is because my sister was also abused, and um, she took her life to suicide in 2020. So she never talked about it. And I didn't really used to talk to the kids about it. I spoke to the adults about it. And the adults were the, one that, uh, the ones that pretty much discouraged me from talking about that. Um, but the fact that we didn't really, really, really bring light to the problem, then the person was protected and, and stayed in the dark doing more damage to other children and getting slicker as to how they do it and who they do it to. Sometimes they even go to younger children a few months old. They feel like, okay, they won't remember. Maybe the two and the three-year-olds, they won't remember. But obviously, you know, I was like four and a half, five, so I, I, I remember. And so um, I remember, you know, um, and a lot of times, like I said, they just get slicker on what they're doing. So, you know, even if uh, you get that kickback, at least you can rest in your own mind to know that you did your part and don't feel guilty for telling. Um, he's lucky that it didn't go further and he didn't go to jail and he's still out, uh, like my father's still out. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they're not mentally stable and they do have some form of mental illness, something that they're um, – you know, struggling with on the inside and it's making them think that that behavior is okay, which is sick, sick behavior. And so um, I just wanted to first just thank you for sharing, thank you in a voice and for pinpointing that it is, it's not acceptable and, um, and speaking up when you see him doing, you know, hanging out with little children and you know what he's capable of doing. You're doing the right thing. And I uh, just want to encourage you to keep speaking up on it. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate um, that. One... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, I, I, I really appreciate you saying that, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear about your sister. Um, there's other families and people that I've met who've been through a similar situation. Um, 
Yeah, I thank you. Thank you for the support. You're welcome. We're all here for you. Yeah, and one thing, I'll just say it since it's um, on my mind right now, and I may forget later. <laughs> you never know. But, Leticia, one main thing that I always tell people in my classes is that um, an easy way for you to open up conversations, especially when it comes to littler kids, is to get some body safety books and just have those available. I mean, you could carry them with you to family functions and just lay them out and say, you know, if anyone wants to read these books, I'm available to, to read them with you and talk about it. And that way you are, first of all, you're letting everybody know that you are going to do what you can to protect these kids in your family because that's important to you and you're going to change that trajectory of abuse that's been happening. And that it also shows the children Again, that you are that, you will be that safe person, that they could come to you if they feel that something isn't right, if something feels off. And it's, and those books are just such a great tool to um, be able to start those conversations. And, you know, maybe you don't even have to lay them out anywhere. You can just, you know, start to let them know that you are a safe person and that you're willing to talk to them if anything comes up. And then maybe you do have some books in your car or whatever, you know, and that you'll bring them in, you know, and and talk to them about it. But um, and those are just a couple ideas that maybe I have because that has been a, a lifesaver for me in being able to open that communication with my grandkids because I never knew how to talk to my kids either as I was raising them. And I was abused as well by my my stepdad, but um, I I wish that I would have had more tools and I wish I would have known about body safety books. And as a matter of fact, I don't think they were even that prevalent around I don't think when my kids were growing up. And so there's a lot of, of different stages of body safety books for different stages, ages of kids. So um, if you want to, Lakeisha, too, you can find me you know, on NASCAR, and if you want to send me an email or, or a text or something, then I don't want to give that out on the show, but you could get a hold of me, and I could send you some of those, the names of those books. Actually, anybody who's listening, if you want to try and like, private message me, my name's Kim Lakin on Facebook, then um, I'd be happy to send you a list of those books that you can get. So... Um, can you, um, can I pick up, can you at least say one of the books for anyone who's listening maybe and may not feel comfortable reaching out? Um, at this point, can you at least put out, out one name of a book that could be helpful to a parent or someone who wants to learn how yeah, to support? Yeah, let me bring up. Yeah, I'll just bring up I just I need to find the author because that's what I'm not good at is the author's name. I've got some good some ones that my granddaughter really liked when she was like three or four years old. And one of them is No Means No and it has a little picture of a it has a girl a little girl with piggy tails and 
and a tap beside her, and it talks about personal boundaries, consent, empowering children to respect their choices, and that they have the right to say no. And that is by Jaylene or Janine, J-A-Y-N-E-N, Sanders. So Janine Sanders, and it's no means no. So that's just one of them that um, are available. There's Mm -hmm. I said no. That was also as my daughter, as my granddaughter got a little bit older, I said no. It's a kid-to-kid guide to keeping private parts private, and that is by um, Kimberly King and Zach King. And that one talks, it gives kids a little bit more of, like, examples of, what you can do in a situation. So one of the, the examples that I really love in that book is that it talks about how a child is having a sleepover at his friend's house, and his friend starts to get a little inappropriate, and the child doesn't feel very comfortable. So he goes to his, to his friend's mom and says, I would like to go home. And his friend's mom just kind of blows him off and says, you know, oh, you're fine. You know, just go back and go play with, you know, your friend and it'll be fine. So still not feeling comfortable, that child then looks for ways for them to feel safe since they are not getting the help they needed in that situation. So this child goes and locks himself in the bathroom for the rest of the night because he's not not able to call his parents and let him know that he's, He's feeling uncomfortable. He doesn't want to be in the room with the the kid that is making him feel uncomfortable. And so he puts himself in a situation that he feels safe in. And I think that that's such a great example, especially for children who are having sleepovers at other people's houses. I mean, that's, it could all, you know, it could also go wrong. But, um, but it could actually be a really good place for a child to escape to and just letting them know they have that power to do that is huge too. So, right. Yeah, those are a couple of the, the granddaughters. And I was going to say, I was going to say, um, when I went on Amazon and I put body safety books, no means no, and a few of the books that you mentioned came up. And also you can look mm-hmm. at some of the reviews. So just kind of, you know, based on what age group you're looking for, just put in um, body safety books in the yeah. search on Amazon, and you'll see a lot of books come up with some really good reviews. So that way you'll see what what books speak to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does anyone have any the questions more? about the books or anything? Any questions more about that? No. <laughs> no. Okay, so another way that a perpetrator could um, start grooming um, the child and then, and then get that the caregiver's trust as well is by um, providing, you know, certain things like needs that they have. So let's say that they notice they really have, you know, need a pair of shoes. And, you know, they know that maybe the single mom isn't able to get them the the clothes and the shoes that they need when they're growing out of them. And so they're in, you know, public 
smaller for them. And so they will take that opportunity to then maybe go to the parent and say, you know, I noticed this need that you have for your child, and I know that you want your child to, you know, feel just as good as everybody else's child in school. And so I want to, you know, pay for that, those shoes for you. And so that's starting, you know, that's grooming the parents by playing to their, you know, insecurities and things that are going on in their life and then, um, you know, filling that need that the parent has. So that's another way that that you can groom um, or maybe taking them to the movies or... You know, buying them jewelry. You know, like little girls' jewelry. Ice cream is always one. Mm-hmm. Ice cream, there. Yep, really. <laughs> Taking them out for ice just, cream. Yeah. You know, you know how many times I hear that. Unfortunately, with a lot of guys I talk with, that with the priest, ice cream was a big common denominator with a lot of people. I feel like. Oh, that's it. Did they have them like in, probably just right down the street or or in the church or something? They probably have little ice cream shops that are all set up and ready. Yeah, to go. that that <laughs> is camp, camp, camping trips I hear a lot too. Camp, camping and yeah, and, and then you know the priests bringing alcohol and I, I hear that a lot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because if you think about it, what better place for a perpetrator than at a, a camp where they're isolated and, you know, the the perpetrator can just come on as camp counselor and then have free access to the kids wherever they are in the camp. In the oh, shower, yeah. you know, in their bed, wherever. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that kind of then goes back to the whole trust thing. Churches, you know, churches want to be trusting. Camp, you know, church oh, camps yeah. want to be trusting. They want to open it up to everybody, but they also boy. need to have these. Yeah, Boy Scouts. Yeah. Yeah, they. Yeah. Uh, they were. They were. They were. They locked in with the church. I. I want to say in a way, but I'm not sure. Like, not a hundred percent sure on that. But Boy Scouts. Yeah. I think they might have started there, but I don't think that they really claim that affiliation anymore. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't know. It's I not, could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure either, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Churches, um, Vacation Bible School, we've got a lot of that going on right now is Vacation Bible School. And, you know, you... The other thing I was going to say even about camps, you don't necessarily have to um, have a degree or they, a background check may even slip by if yep. the church is in need of people to help them with camp, you know. And so that may just, you know, accidentally oh, yeah, get not oh, yeah. done. Uh, it's crazy. I agree. That's that's one place they should really tighten up on is background checks and like 
man, it's it's just such a loose thread. I feel like it's just they really need to pay attention to that. Well, I think what we like to advocate is that you don't just do the background check because people could not have been caught yet. And so it's not just about the background checks. It's about the whole checklist of things that you need to do to make sure that that person oh, yeah. is safe to be around. You, you, so, you, you, yeah. know what I, you know what? You know what's hard to, like, I won't mention where it happened, but so I, I knew a friend of mine, he works in an ice rink, and I won't say where it is, but um, so they had a guy that got hired, and um, he started going. He So the girl played on the girls' hockey team, and he started going to the games and then text messages. One thing led to another. The father used to be a cop. He saw text messages. I think the girl was 16 or 15 or 16. But the thing that's really scary is they put the kid on leave for like nine months and they fired him. Now you think they, you think they'd blow his name right out there. Like he didn't get charged with anybody. He, they let him resign, but it's just such a silent thing. Still, it's just like, it's like, they don't want their school to get the name. I mean, that's happened at a couple schools in this area and they just let the guy resign and look at if you're, if you're a perpetrator, you're just, you're just looking at like, all right, I got away with that. You know, they're going to, in my opinion, they're going to, and I don't know what the percentage is, is he's going to try his shit again. And it's just amazing that they kept, they kept it hush hush, never put his name out there or nothing. You know, that, yeah. that amazes me. You know. It is. It's, it's, it's kind of sickening because we have been in this mindset for so long that you don't want to possibly hurt the adult that is being accused. Well, what about the child? I mean, yeah, what about a, yeah. a whole yeah, I, life I, ahead of them. <laughs> so, you know. And it gets ruined. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we talk about the group. We talk about the grooming too is like, you got to really pay attention to is a change in their behavior. I think, I think it was you, Kim, that said, like, like I, I know I changed me. I mean, my freshman year was the physical abuse. Then by junior year, um, I do steroids and I start fighting all the time. And and I was the black sheep of my family. I was the youngest. But, like, just paying attention, like, why is little Johnny acting like this all of a sudden? That's, that's a big thing, too, is parents should be looking out. You know, it's just that sudden change. And then with my situation, you know, people just thought it was my father not having a father. You, you know what I mean? And yeah. and that, that sucks and everything, but it's, it's unfortunately part of life. You, you know what I mean? And it just wasn't, it wasn't because of my father. It's because of what this guy did to me. And that whole macho act I, that I, I, uh, that I was, it's just, the signs were right, right there. I think I, I did a NASCA meeting, and I forget the gentleman's name who was running the meeting, but he brought that point out. He goes, why? No one noticed your actions or the change. And, and again, my mother was that single mother working two and three jobs. You know, I, I put my mother through hell. I mean, getting in trouble when I was a kid. But 
you look back, I guess those were times when you think about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, most of the time I'll just say, oh, they're just a bad kid. They're just acting up. Yeah. Well, there must be, you know, something that they're mad at their parents about or whatever. You don't always necessarily go to the abuse, which, no. you know, if the situation looks right, then you should go there if that's what it looks oh, like. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be just be because because he's a priest. You don't want to check into anything, right? <laughs> right, right. It's like, oh no, I can't do anything because he's a priest. No, <laughs> I, I I just look at I just look at like what he shattered in my life, and like he always used to tell me I had a learning disability, and I was a terrible student, and I I I got by the skin of my teeth, but I. I realized though his words, his impact, like I talk about it with my therapist, like even going for jobs or, you know, she's always trying to get me to go back to school. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's like, I hated school is, is in learning something new. Don't get me wrong. I've got through obstacles where I've, I've startled myself and say, wow, I actually am pretty smart. But his words, just by him telling me I had a learning disability and really stuck in my head and, Something I'm working on, obviously, but but the words, the, those words, uh, it's worse than getting punched in the face. I'd, I'd rather get punched in the face 20 times than just having his words stick in my psyche, like my mental, my my mental part of me. You know, it's just it's crazy how words, how how his words impacted my life. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, because you don't know any different. I mean, he's a very authoritative person telling yeah. you this stuff. So in your mind as a child, he must know. He's an adult. He must know. Yeah. That I can't do anything or that I am dumb or, you know, whatever the narrative was that he was trying to get through to you. Yeah. Right. Anyone else want to chime in? Um, Well, a couple of things that you guys said, but just recently saying that, you know, the power of his words, and we just have to remember that, you know, a lot of times the kids say, what, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me, and we know deep inside that's not true. Um, Words do have power, and they really can break us down. Mm-hmm. They can, uh, excuse me, they can affect us almost for the rest of our lives, you know, if we're not aware and working on our healing, actively working on our healing, because they, they can break us down. They hurt, right? We're human. Oh, yeah. 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 Even counselors in school, like, I I know I, I can't remember what book I read because there's only been a handful, but uh, I, I, I remember... I I remember when a counselor said to one of the students, like, you're never going to amount to anything. You're going to end up being a janitor, but the kid ended up being like a millionaire, but he remembered those words, you know, from, from someone with power and someone obviously a guidance counselor, you know, you're going to remember that, but it's just like we just talked about. It's just, it can impact, it didn't impact this kid's life, but he remembered what was said, you know, Mm-hmm. 
head. Was somebody going to say something? Nope. <laughs> uh, any other uh, – does anybody else want to share anything else or um, have any questions, topics that we're talking about, or just want to share something else about your recovery, anything would be great. Okay, well, we can move on. We can go to... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Philip, I think I'm learning better, safer habits. Go ahead. Just in general, as you've been listening to NASCA and... Or... Tonight. Um... Just in general. Well, good. I mean, that's hopefully our goal is that we're helping people understand a little bit more. I think when we can understand ourselves, too, when we get an idea of why we think certain things or we feel certain things and and then we start to realize that normal for what we've been through, then it helps us, you know, to realize we're not so abnormal. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, gaining the, the child's trust and the caregiver's trust and, you know, kind of filling filling that need, um, maybe the child's needs and or the parent's needs for the child. And then um, I think we've also talked a little bit about isolating the child. So, you know, the perpetrator may use things like um, creative situations where they're alone, like babysitting or one-on-one coaching or special trips. Um, the perpetrator may reinforce the relationship with the child by cultivating a sense that they love and understand the child in in a way that others, even their parents, cannot understand them. And the adult can start to tell the child that no one cares for them the way that they do, not even their parents. So, you know, say things to them like, you can trust me because no one understands you the way that I do. And um, and just kind of play on those that child's securities and insecurities. Yeah, does anyone want to share something about that isolation? Yeah. No, I was going to say. You, um, go ahead. Go ahead. How would you break those habits if you learned them from somebody? Um. I think as far as the child goes, you mean like as an adult and you realize that those were things that were kind of planted in you? Is that kind of what you mean? As you get older, how do you, once you realize it? Yeah. Um, Well, I think therapy probably is a huge part of that. (laughs) 
to understand, again, that it's kind of normal for everything that you've been through. It may not be normal in general, but for everything that you've gone through, that's a normal feeling. That's a normal reaction. Um, so, you know, maybe once you recognize that that's a normal reaction, if it's not an appropriate reaction, that you can change that once you recognize it. Gotcha. Does that Thank answer you. your question? <laughs> yes. Can I answer? Hi. Thanks, Philip. We've got some good questions coming out of us, Kate. <laughs> You've been doing some some healing too, huh? Yes, a lot. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad. So another part um, of the whole grooming and process then would be to, and we talked. I think we talked a little bit about this as well. Is then moving it into um, sexualizing the relationship. So you know, touching your leg, like you guys were talking about earlier. Um, you know, once that emotional dependence and trust has been built, the perpetrator progressively sexualizes the relationship. So this occurs through maybe just talking or taking pictures or creating situations in which both are swimming nakedly, you know, <laughs> in a pond or something. Um, maybe the adult exploits the child's natural curiosity and trust using stimulation to advance the sexual nature of that relationship. So, you know, maybe they'll even just come right out and say to the child, you know, have you ever masturbated? Because that could be a lot of fun. And, you know, they're going to put that in then into the child's mind that maybe that's something that we should explore, you know. And, um, yeah, any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you're hitting all the topics. Is um, So it's crazy is the – the priest would eventually have me come in and do face-to-face -face confessions. And here I am as a 14 year old boy trying to come clean about smoking pot. And then of course that question comes up to you masturbate. And obviously I'm trying to come clean. Yes. And then he has me bring him put the magazines, you know, that, you know, you're doing that stuff too. He has, has me bring him weed, you know? So, I just I think of those things. I'm like, man, it, and it, and again, it's a, it was it was part of his test. You know what I mean? He, I mean, when you really think about how warped his thinking is, is like he's he's getting information out of me when I'm doing confession for Christ's sakes. But I mean, I don't I don't whatever. My beliefs are a lot different than others. Probably others would. Of course, I believe in God, but I I really don't believe you. And it, this is just my opinion: is you don't have to go to church. To, to be a good person. I just try to practice being a good person every day, but I, I just, I think about how he got those answers out of me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then was there a point? Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just wondering if there was a point then that, um, if you brought those to him, then did, did. he smoke I pot did. with you? Did he I smoke did with you? And... No, 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 he did not. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, 
Yeah, he he brought he just had me bring him the magazines and he had me bring in bring him uh, a couple joints and uh, I just wanted to shut him up to be honest with you. <laughs> At that point, yeah. I wasn't about to give him my stash. <laughs> yeah, you're still oregano. Yeah, right. <laughs> oregano and some X lax. Uh, that's Have a good funny. night. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
that may be the, the highlight of their week and they don't want to give that up, you know, or something bad could just happen to the family. So those yeah. are threats that a lot of sometimes people will use to maintain that control over that child. Uh-huh. So true. And try to make the child feel guilty for telling your parents going to be really upset, you know, all those lies, all those lies. And it's not true. Yeah. Not true. Yeah. Yeah, did anybody else kind of experience maybe any stress of, you know, not to tell? Well, I'll just say definitely my abuser used to tell me not to tell. So that's definitely a manipulation tactic that they use. Um, Because if you, you know, if this person has access to you and you love them, um, what happens is you feel guilty. You feel like you're betraying the loyalty. You're you're breaking the, the bond, right, that that loyalty um, that they're entrusting you with. And no adult should be putting that type of pressure on any child, okay? Uh, they're healthy secrets, and we talked talk about And then there's – and the healthy secrets will be – we're doing a birthday party. It's a surprise, you know. That's a safe secret, right? And then anything that has to do with, you know, sexual abuse, touching your body, don't tell this, don't tell that. Uh, to your parents, that's not not safe. And so, um, and that's why it's important to get some of these books to figure out how to talk to these kids. And and a lot of times when we see, um, because there's a few people that are going through siblings touching each other, small ones, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, three-year-olds, and they, they talk about it and, you know, Sometimes we get to try to find out who has taught them that. You know, sometimes kids are just curious. They're trying to see why their brother has, you know, something, a penis, why their body's different. Um, And so, you know, sometimes those those, uh, curiosities do kick in. But um, when you see certain patterns of behavior, sometimes you got to try to find out where they learned it from. And if you don't know how to ask, try to get a counselor specializes in childhood uh, trauma or, you know, counseling that has to do with children if you're not comfortable addressing the topic. Just know you're not alone. Anybody else have anything else to add? No. But I was also gonna. I was. <laughs> I, I started talking to with Newton, but I was gonna say yeah. that um, it's also not a bad idea for adults who have young children who want to know some of these signs to um, to Google. You know, what are some behaviors or you know grooming behaviors, and um, and then you can have kind of have those descriptions, but. It'll give you an idea of what I think it's, I don't know, I think I was losing what I was going to say, too. 
the other thing I was going to say, though, is that red flag behaviors will probably be caught more so than an actual of abuse. So, you know, a lot of times you'll see them just, you know, trying to test the child or, you know, by tickling them to see if they will say anything. So when they start to to go into those um, kind of sexualizing behaviors in the child, you might start to pick up on some of those. Or um, if, you know, like we said before, giving them gifts or something. Those are those would be red flag behaviors. That's not normal that a teacher isolates or, or a priest isolates a child and gives them gifts on a normal basis. So um, paying attention to those also as, as well as, you know, how your child is reacting or maybe not reacting to a situation that, that they should be. Paying attention, I think, is just huge. Having a communication, open okay. communication with your child will tell you so much about them. And, um, yeah, I thought that I had a really good open relationship with my kids, but I didn't realize that there was still some of my trauma that I was kind of projecting so onto them, and I'm starting to realize that now after years of being into therapy. Because I, unfortunately, as trauma survivors, we we will kind of project that onto our, our own children. Not in a, you know, it wasn't an abusive way, but it was definitely maybe not meeting their emotional needs the way that they completely needed to be that. Mm-hmm. And um, I wouldn't have recognized that until I really started doing deep work. We were talking the other night about um, somebody, I think Carol, when Carol was on, how somebody had done a lot of work on themselves and just really deep, deep researching on to how to be a good parent. We thought Monday night we were talking about that before they became a parent. I mean, that's brilliant. I just knew I wanted to be a parent. And, you know, at 18 years old, I thought I was ready. But it would have been awesome if I had all of this counseling work and healing work and maybe learning how to be a parent before I jumped right into that. So any thoughts on that? On any of that that I just said? I just said a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I think it's so important. You know, you're talking about the fact that you started really focusing for the last couple of years on doing that self-work. And many times when we're in, in the industry of helping others, giving back and helping others, we forget the importance of filling up ourselves because we learn something new every single day. Um, even by volunteering here, even by serving here, I learn from from the guests. The guests learn from us. We learn from the guests. We create a space of learning, education, um, 
and it's just so important that we do that, but I think it's important for us to really take accountability for our own healing and do the work and get the help so that we can address the areas that we may be, you know, because the abuse does have an impact on you, even if you don't feel like it does, um, even if you get uh, offensive, defensive, and uh, love to argue, or, you know, uh, some people are selfish, or some people are people pleasers, or some people are this, some people are that. So really understanding that abuse can have a big impact on us, and it's important for us to unpack our own mass and not project it on others. But the way that we're able to do that is by acknowledging what happened and, and getting help through the process. And even when we do that, again, there's so much healing that comes from that and so much education that comes from that because you're working with a professional, they're helping you unpack, and you're learning, right? We don't know everything, even though sometimes we feel like we know so much, which we do. We are experts of our lives, right? But we can always learn more because we don't know it all. We don't know everything. But I think just um, being accountable and doing the self-work, the self-healing work is really, really important. And, um, and and I just wanted to say that I'm proud of you that you've also taken that step to continue to work on yourself and evolve and that you're able to see the areas that maybe you were not a perfect parent and understand that, you know, where some of that came from. And even if you then go through abuse, nobody's ever going to be a perfect parent. But really taking the time to try to understand even – uh, how you could have offended or hurt your own children because of some of the abuse that you went through and learning how to fix that so that we can be better as we continue to move forward in our recovery journey. Yeah, thank you, Nancy. I think um, also being able to get out of kind of a toxic relationship too has helped. Because I just kind of mm-hmm. stayed, I think, in some toxicity for a while. And, you know. So, yeah, being more aware is always good. But <laughs> like Billy was saying earlier, you know, there are times when you just don't want to be. You don't want to remember it. You don't want to know. And so that's when all those coping behaviors come in. And um, we do things that we should. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else have anything else they want to add? Or does anything stick up, stick out to you that you can relate to from what we're talking about? Hmm? Let's see. Do we have anybody on the line last? Let me double check. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I still there. Okay. Yeah, we're just starting to wind down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm aware of. I, I'm aware of like, even toxic friends. You know, relationship wise, like, like I had to get rid of a lot of toxic friends that that just weren't good for me. I mean, I feel like I'm a loner anyway, and but a loner in a good way sometimes. But I mean, I'm very aware of negativity and stunting my growth as an individual, and I had to get rid of a lot of people. Even, even the whole dating scene, same, same deal. I don't, you know, 
I learned, I learned, I feel like I learned what a relationship is, you know, backwards because of what this guy did to me. Sex isn't supposed to come first. In my opinion, you're supposed to be best friends with someone before that's supposed to happen. And that unfortunately it was a, it's a side of me that's ruined. Um, and I'm working on it, but very aware of having a toxic woman in my life too. And, you know, I, I firmly, you know, I'm trying to find someone who's, who's just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but just that social media crap, like just doesn't pay attention to all that all the time. Like most of most people do in this world, but, but I don't know. I just, to find the right woman and relationship wise, it's something I don't even know if I'm ready for, but definitely a side of me that's ruined that I'm working on work in progress, you know? Oh yeah. But the great thing about it is that you're able to acknowledge it in your healing and recovery journey. I think that that's amazing. Yeah. That's the first step. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's just (laughs) my thought process is like with, certain dates I've gone out with it's just it's easier to say no <laughs> or just don't don't do what you don't want to do it's just and then if you do something you don't want to do it just gets even worse so I have this implanted in my head it's just like just get out of this like just be truthful and and that's it but but uh yeah no it's 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 hard to find it's hard to find, but I don't, I don't just, and I had, you know, my first wife was a good wife, like good, good woman. And, uh, and she's everything, you know, that you'd want in a relationship, but we just grew apart and had kids young. And then I think about all my actions. I wasn't a perfect husband by any means, but I just, I know what I'm looking for and I'm real, real picky. I think it's good. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, no, I think you get to, yeah, I think you get to that point where you're like, well, I'm just going to be really picky or it's not going to happen because I'd rather be alone than to yeah. deal with that, you know, yeah. uh, drama or whatever well, coming with unhealthy people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to, you know, as we work on our healing and our recovery, that we really, really, really learn to set boundaries. You said something earlier that I can definitely agree with that I personally had to do. I've had um, a couple of childhood friends that I have had to part ways with because of the um, lack of respect for boundaries. Um, You know, maybe they um, still see me as a child when we were little kids. Um, But, you know, there's certain things that I don't find funny. There's certain things that I find disrespectful or offensive. Um, And I don't speak to you that way. Don't speak to me that way, Uh, that sort of thing. Um, And, you know, negativity, things like that, or jealousy, competitiveness. Oh, God. I'm like, girl, I can't compete with you. You cannot compete with me. I stand in my own right. I've put in so much work. I mean, it's just there's just nothing that I can do to be like you. I'll never measure up to where you are, and you'll never measure up to where I am. And we just have to respect each other for where we are, you know. And I think, um, you know, some people, they 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 have um, 
um, self-esteem issues, and they project that on you, and then they want to, I don't know. I, I, I literally, it was so draining that I just had to sit, just uh, sit back. And one of them, unfortunately, her mom was commenting mean stuff on my page. I don't know if she was jealous because I was posting positive things, but, I mean, really, am I always going to post the, the, the fight, the demonic spiritual warfare that I may have in the background? Am I always going to post that? No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to laugh in the devil's face. I'm going to say, look, I'm still standing. I'm still growing. I'm still raising my children, and I'm still – I'm not just um, – healing, um, I'm thriving, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I, like I said, I've also had to remove some toxic people from my life. Um, like I said, this person was putting some disrespectful comments under my children's pictures, being very mean and trying to expose me or, you know, making just these disrespectful comments. Like I would never even comment on somebody's social media like that. And when I tried about it, she was sticking up for her mother's behavior. So guess what? We're no longer friends. Because if my mom did that, I would be telling my mother, no, you're not going to talk to my friends like that. It's very disrespectful. They don't speak to you like that. You don't do that. And especially with some of the elders, you know, they don't really know social media etiquette. So I tried to go to my friends you know, not to curse our mama out, but, like, I try to go to our, my friend, like, hey, your mom keeps making these rude comments about me and about my children. My mother called me crying when she read the comment. My mother didn't know what was going on, but she called me hyperventilating, and I let my friend know. Like, my mom was so upset. She called me hyperventilating. It offended my son. It offended me. And she still didn't care. She just kept sticking up for her mother. So I just said, honestly, if I'm telling you something bothers me and I'm telling you it was offensive and it didn't just offend me, it's by my family as well, and you're not willing to do anything about it, sometimes you've got to just, you know, well, move on. Yeah, yeah, move on. You know you know, okay. you know, what blows my mind, and I, I know, like, there's no law against it or anything, but, look, you know, I, I would never, ever, like, I got rules with myself. It's like, like, I'm 54 years old. I got friends that are 54 and they're liking like their friend's daughter who's like 20. And I know technically like in my, in my thought process, it's just maybe I think a little too much. Well, actually, no, I think I just would never do that. I think it's just so disrespectful. I just kind of shake my head at players out there in their fifties, like liking someone or making a comment like looking good or shit like that. That's one thing. And I know there's no law against it, but, but like, it just blows my mind. I'm like, if I had daughters and I seen my friends comment on my daughters, I don't know if I'd be able to hold my shit together. I just, I just, I just, I just think it's just wrong. <laughs> and again, I know that te- technically of age, but it's just, you're supposed to be older and wiser. And I just, uh, again, I don't, I'm not big on social media. I have Facebook. I don't even have it attached to my phone. I have it on my computer, but like, it's just it amazes me. Like, like um, and I know, and I know my buddies make up, and I know, I know they're players, but it just, it fucking. Oh, I'm sorry, it blows my, it blows my mind. <laughs> it's okay, Billy. We got you. You're fine. The is coming up. <laughs> but. If I if I had daughters and my friends were making comments, I I, I just wouldn't put up with that shit. I really wouldn't. 
Yeah. So you must have had sons, huh, Billy? <laughs> yeah. So my, my my sons are 33 and 29, and and they they they're respectful. But that's like, it's just yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs> really. Yeah. Is. Oh no, absolutely. I um, I've noticed that it is. Ridiculous. It's just morally. It's just morally. And like, of, of course, they're going to say, "Oh, I'm just liking their picture." But you know what? Like I said, I I know certain buddies of mine that like they're just morally wrong. You, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like yeah, it's just it's just bullshit in, in plain English. They but don't that's have what, morale. No, no, yeah. it's just it's insane. Like like I I try. I'm not on a lot of social media. My friend David. And uh, and I talk a lot, and he's just he he wants no part of gossip, any of that stuff. And God love him, he's he lives by the he lives by the sword. And the kid, the kid, him and I are very tight. Where you know it's it's crazy as him and I worked in the prison system together. We never knew about what happened to either of us, and we were on the treadmill one day at the gym, and we and we were talking. And I go, yeah, David, I was molested by a priest. He goes, I was molested by the Y the wide director and we never knew that about each other mm. and we did steroids wow. together and we're still friends to this day and uh this kid you know anything about diet this kid's like got seven percent body fat on him he, he i just take all i take all the free advice i can from this kid but um <laughs> yeah yeah we uh yeah it's just it's amazing we never knew it about each other in high school and we hung out for a long time and we still stay in contact, but but we talk about this stuff all the time, and, you know, healthy relationships and, and you know, what we used to be and what we are now. And uh, it's hard to change, but both of us changed. And, uh, and it's, it's funny how something we would have accepted back then, we, it's not in our cause to accept it now. I mean, I used to base, you know, like, like we used to just think like, you know, having sex first date was awesome, and it's really not when you really think about it. Like it's just, it's just not supposed to be that way. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's you not, can't get to know it's each not, other. That's what yeah, you're it's not, it's not, yeah, it's not supposed to come first. But then you think about the mannerism you you learn from these shitbag predators. You know, that's it's an obstacle that we've had to cut through. You know, you know, I talk about it with my therapist. You know, we were used as a sex object when our brains weren't developed as a young child and they developed into what we thought was right, you know? Right. But they were sexualized. Our brains were sexualized at too young of an age. We didn't, we weren't, we weren't ready to handle that information yet. No. And so didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And then not, then when we got to the age of being ready to handle that information, yeah, we were already so confused that we had no idea which way was up. <laughs> you know, it was know. like, how, how yep. can you figure it out at that point? You can't. Yeah, well, I think it's been a great conversation tonight, everybody. Thank you all for for joining in and being a part of it. I'm glad no, we found definitely. you, or you happened to find us, Billy, tonight, since you happened to be yep. on Facebook. I don't. <laughs> I yep. don't get on there near as much as I used to either. I mean, it used to be no. constant, but like, yeah. 
yeah. Yeah, and I, uh, one other thing I was going to say that I was thinking about earlier when you were talking, Billy, is um, I think that by the time that we realize that what we have, what we want in a relationship, then um, a lot of times the people that we are trying to meet in that place aren't in that place. So, you know, it's, it's almost just like a crapshoot. You've got to be right. in the right place, and then that other person's got to be in the right place, and then you've got to meet there. So, you know what, I'll, right. I'll yeah. keep praying the right person comes along, Billy, because you're a sweet guy. Right. I know they're out there right. for you. <laughs> And you too, Philip. <laughs> and Tisha, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're glad that you were on here with us. And thank you, oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. All your input. Thank you. Well, as we say on NASCA, there's enough adult eyes and ears out there to watch out for all children. So please, if you see something, please say something. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.